How are you guys today? Yeah? <laughs> we are so glad you guys are here this morning. Would you stand with us as we sing? I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness. 
sing this together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son. that again our voices carry it praise God from whom all blessings flow praise him all creatures here below praise him above the heavenly Well, good morning, fellowship. I'm really glad that you guys are here to worship with us. My name is Aaron Parks, and I have the privilege of working with our kids here at Fellowship Fayetteville and helping them and families love Jesus more than anything. That's what we're trying to do on the other end of the building with Fayette Kids. Hey, as we're talking, we're going to be passing the offering plate that's going to be going right now, so be looking for that um, as we're going over a couple things here. The first thing I wanted to tell you, I just think it's really important that you guys know that Gardetto's is one of my favorite snacks. They are just really, really good. I love Gardetto's. And one of the great things that I think about uh, Gardetto's is it seems like those who like these kind of have their favorites in the bag. Who in here likes Gardetto's? Who likes Gardetto's? All right, just a few, actually less than at nine o'clock. Nine o'clock is a Gardetto's crowd. This must be like the Takis Hot Cheetos crowd or something like that, I don't know. But everybody seems to have your favorite Gardettos. So there's, you know, you might like the pretzels, which those are honestly my least favorite. Um, the little, uh, like, bread-looking things. Or, oh, so, oh, you like the bread little things. Or, let's see now, the little, like, my favorite are the rye crisps, those little brown, crunchy parts. See, they're really good, aren't they? They're so good, they actually have a bag of their own. So those really are the best. So um, I'm honestly not up here just to keep talking about Gardettos. I've got some other things I wanna tell you about, um, but I just really want you to know about Gardettos. And so community is starting up here pretty soon, and we are excited that our community groups will be launching. And so if you're not in a community group and you want to get in a group, um, you can go talk to somebody out in the foyer after we're done, and they will help get you plugged in with a community group. They'll be starting up here in the next few weeks, next couple of weeks. Another thing is next Sunday, we will start our first Timothy series. And I'm really excited that we're gonna be, be studying and learning uh, from First Timothy together. So just like in Hebrews this summer, we've got First Timothy books. And I would encourage all of y'all to get one of these. You can probably, I think, I probably should have checked on this before now, but I think there'll be a PDF online that you can download. I know there were for the Hebrews books, and so you can check that out. Uh, but you can grab one of these, and the reason that I say it's important for all of us to have these is I would love for all of us in here over the next few weeks as we're studying through 1 Timothy, I would love for y'all to study the passage during the week so that when we come together, you already know what we're talking about, and God has already spoken to your heart and to your mind as we gather 
And so when you study it, study it for yourself, but also study it for everybody in here because I believe that scripture is meant to be studied in community and with one another. So study that and let's see what God speaks to our hearts and our minds as we study that together. So these are five bucks. You can grab those in the foyer um, before you leave. Like I said earlier, I work with kids here at Fellowship Fayetteville, and it is one of my favorite things. I just love working with kids, and one of the main reasons that I work with kids is because I've found that when kids are around, God seems to speak, at least to me. And so I've gotten over the last month to experience two different stories of God speaking through the lives of of kids. One, I've gotten to hear from somebody else as they shared it with me, and one, I got to experience myself. And so the first one, was from one of our leaders. And he was sharing with me this summer that uh, just about a month and a half ago that he was really feeling discouraged as a dad. He was feeling really beat down and thinking, I'm not very good at this. I am not a good dad. I'm, I'm really struggling. And so he was just sharing this with me. Then about a week or two later, he was in Fayette Kids leading a group of kindergartners, so fifth and sixth graders. And we were talking about confidence and that was basically just learning to see yourself the way God sees you. And as he's teaching this group of fifth, or fifth and sixth graders, five and six-year-olds, God began to speak to his heart. And he told him, hey, you are finding, trying to find your confidence in yourself, in your own abilities, in what you were able to do. And he felt God speaking to him and saying, your confidence is in me. It's in what Jesus has done for you. And he was sharing this with me and it was a really profound moment for him. And I loved hearing how God was speaking to him through some five and six year olds. Now, the second story I got to experience myself and it's as I was at my house, I've got a four year old, his name's David and he was walking through the house eating Gardettos. And he was just walking through and it was a smaller bag. And I don't know if y'all know much about four year olds. They typically aren't huge fans of sharing anything that they have. Uh, but David actually does a pretty good job sometimes, but I, I really wanted a Gardetto, so, but I didn't want a whole bag. So I was like, hey, buddy, can I have one of those? And he reaches in the bag and just immediately was like, sure, dad. So he reaches in the bag, pulls out a pretzel. Now, I don't, I don't know if you remember earlier, which one is my least favorite one in the bag? It's the pretzel. And so I was about to ask him like, hey, can I actually have one of those little like brown things that's in there? But as he pulled out this pretzel, his face lit up and he was like, oh, dad, these are the best ones. And he handed me the pretzel. And in that moment, God spoke to me through my four-year-old son and a bag of Gardettos. And he said, your four-year-old was willing to give you what he thinks is the best in the bag. How are you giving to those around you? And I'll be honest, I will never look at a bag of Gardettos the same way again. I still don't really like the pretzels, but I'll never look at them the same way again because God spoke to me through a four-year-old in a bag of Gardettos. I love being a part of a place where we value hearing the voice of God, that we want God to speak to us. We want him to guide us and direct us. This weekend, there's a group of our 11th and 12th graders. They're out at New Life Ranch. They're hanging out out there for their fall retreat. And what I would love for us to do is, here in a second, I'm gonna give us just a few moments of silence to pray. And I would love for us to pray for two things. One, pray for those 11th and 12th 12th graders that God would speak to them, that they would hear the voice of God as they're out there. And then second, pray for yourself and those sitting around you that this morning as we worship and hear God's word, that we would hear the voice of God today. So let's pray those two prayers together.
Jesus, I thank you for silence. And I thank you that in this silence, we can pray for your voice to speak to us. And so together as a body of Christ, we pray for our juniors and seniors that are involved here at Fellowship Fayetteville that are out at New Life Ranch. We ask that you would speak to them, Father. May you make yourself real to them, that they would hear your word and they would understand more about who you are and how much you love them. And Father, we pray that same prayer for us in here today. God, we don't wanna leave this place before we hear from you. We beg you, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, speak to us. May we hear you, whether it's something that's said on stage or not. Father, I ask that you would speak to us the things that we need to hear from you today. God, we want to know you and we wanna follow you. And so Jesus, we pray this prayer and we ask that you would speak to us today. We love you and it's in your name we pray, amen. Well, good morning. Um, my name is David, I'm one of the leaders here and if this is your first time with us, welcome. We're um, wrapping up our series this morning and our mission and vision and Clark's gonna teach us about what it looks like to reach um, our homes and even our neighborhoods. And if you paid attention at all to what's going on in the world, um, there's probably a, a bundle of emotions that, that you felt now and even over the last year, whether it's the, uh, the hurricanes and the damage that they've brought to so many families in the South and even in the Northeast, the deaths from that, whether it's Afghanistan and all over the news, everything, just think about that, whether it's the, it's the division of our country over so many different issues and how polarized we are as a people. Whenever we hear those things, I'm sure it's different types of emotions come, come to our surface. Maybe it's anger, apathy, frustration. Maybe it's sadness. And as a believer, I'm not sure if I know what the correct response is. A lot of times I wonder, Lord, are you still there? Do you see what's going on? Over this past week, I was reminded of a song that I uh, used to sing when I was actually growing up in this church, and it was a song that said, he has the whole world in his hands. And the older I've gotten, the more profound those simple childlike truths were at the time. So I want to read this over to you. This is Psalm 24. This is what it says. It says, the earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. So I think the correct response for us, if that's true, is to look at him and to cast our burdens, cast our anxieties on him. So we're gonna sing a song this morning reminding us that this is our Father's world. And I wanna encourage you, if you wanna stand while we sing this, please stand. If you wanna stay seated and just take this in, you have that option as well. But let's sing this together.
followers of Christ, we find our confidence and our hope in the fact that he still holds the world in his hands. Well, hey, if you're new with us this morning, we're gonna try something a little different. We don't do this every single week. We're gonna have what's called a Selah. And a Selah is just, just a moment of reflection. It's actually a musical term that you'll see in the book of Psalms if you read it. It just means to pause, to stop, and to refocus. So we're gonna read the whole chapter of Isaiah 53. It's gonna take you a couple minutes. I wanna ask you to stay focused in it. So we're gonna see, it's gonna be on the screen. We're just gonna give some space for the Holy Spirit to speak through the word of God this morning. So let's take our time and do that together. Let's respond this morning with a heart that's ready to receive this truth. Side. 
that rugged cross, my salvation, where your love poured out over me. Now my soul cries out, hallelujah, praise and honor unto and honor unto thee. Just thank him for that.
So God, we look to you and we ask that you would teach us from your word this morning, that you would change your city and that you would use us to do that. God, we surrender this time to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys are awesome. Thank, thank you guys for leading us this morning. Fellow worshipers with us. Hey, my name's Clark. If I haven't met you, would love to. I have the privilege of serving here on staff at Fellowship Fayetteville, and I've got some really good news from a prayer that we prayed last week. So I don't know how many of you were here last week, but Brian Pope opened our service asking you and then praying that God would make a way for a young man from Afghanistan who found himself there uh, last week, um, who has spent some time with us in Fayetteville, and has actually, I believe, even been in this room. And he had no way out as they were evacuating and uh, Brian prayed for him. That Sunday afternoon, some things began to happen. And over the last few days, he and his mother have made it across the border and they've made their way out of Afghanistan. And so, I, you know, we pray. And I actually, a few weeks ago, I said, what are you asking God to do, Scott and Shelly Davis, that only he can do? And only he can do things like that. And so sometimes we forget to circle back around and go, God, you, we, I'm shocked. You answered our prayer. Why should we be? We're asking you to do something. We need to continue to pray for this young man. He's heard the good news of the gospel, has not yet owned it in his heart. We need to continue to pray for him. So thank you, church, for praying there. And in light of that, I wanted to bring, uh, make you aware of an opportunity we have. And this is something we've always had here at Fellowship. It's, a, it's a, our disaster relief fund. And so some of you like to give to these kind of opportunities, and I wanted to make you aware of this. We try to work with local churches, local community organizations who are on the ground, up front, and personal with those who are in need. And so those who are serving the refugees that are coming into different countries, uh, those um, who have been impacted by the, the storms uh, down further south of us, we're trying to work with churches there too. And so if you want to give, you can see on the screen how to do that, or you can go to fellowshipnwa.org slash relief, and you can give that way as well. And I want to thank you. The reason we get to make these announcements is because you are a kingdom church, and that's why I'm proud to be in this family of faith. If you haven't been with us the last uh, five weeks, we've been in what we call our Mission Vision Series. And so every year we hit reset because vision leaks, and most of us, as we make our way into church, especially on a Labor Day weekend, we're in a little bit of a post-hog wind fog this morning, right? And we're not sure the weather and what are we going to do tomorrow? And we're just, we forget to ask the why. Uh, the, the why and, and, and the where are we going and why am I a part of this church? Is this the church I need to be a part of? Um, if I'm going to keep coming here, well, how do I play my part in everything that is our mission and vision? And so we've taken some time and we've We've kind of flown by some of our big ideas here 
at Fellowship Faith, our mission statement to produce and release spiritual leaders who know and express the authentic Christ to Northwest Arkansas and the world. We looked at the purpose behind that statement is the glory of God. He's ultimately the one we live for, the weight of his presence and character made manifest to the world. That's why we exist as humans and as the church. Garland helped us see that uh, the good news of the gospel, it's the proclamation, it's the good news that Jesus is Israel's Messiah and the world's true king. Michael walked us through the, 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 uh, the method of our mission, what we call the Great Commission here at Fellowship Fayetteville, um, that together in community, we're to be about making disciples because Jesus is with us. Where we go is we make disciples everywhere. I then reminded us the power behind our mission, that we're to be a praying people, to see God do what only he can do. Last week, Brian lifted our eyes to the world. We began to turn our eyes to the nations that we exist as a church to go, to pray, to sin, to invest in those who are taking the gospel to the unreached. Today, we're going to bring it home, okay? So it could get very uncomfortable for you, Nicodemus family, okay? Because we're going to get personal. We're going to take personal responsibility for our mission and vision inside our home, inside our family, inside the city that you find yourself living in. And so for me, this is personal. I live in Fayetteville, okay? So a lot of what I'm sharing and preaching and teaching this morning, it's, it's at me. I'm one of you this morning, and I'm learning these lessons along with you. Some of you live in Farmington and Prairie Grove and Lincoln and Goshen and way down in West Fork. And some of you, if you're fortunate enough, from Bentonville, you've made your way down here. And this mission and vision affects you because we know you need the gospel too. And so we're glad that you've joined us. And so look through the lens of your neighborhood, your city. And what we're going to see here is that the gospel message, as it's preached, it turns cities upside down. And we want to see that happen in our city. It's turned upside down by the news that Jesus is the world's uh, true king. The gospel confronts and the gospel transforms the city. It, trans it transforms the city as it's preached. It makes its way through families and through cities. And we see this happening in the book of Acts. Um, as the gospel made its way out of Jerusalem, as they were experiencing this, their own revival, as 3,000 believed that Jesus was the Christ, and they began to practice their faith. They began to do church together. Um, they began to over time, send out, and you see the book of Acts. Acts is simply the narrative of the church. Good Dr. Luke wrote the book of Acts, and we see his account of Jesus in the book of Luke. Okay, this is the account of the church as Jesus is made famous among the nations. The gospel makes its way, and it makes its way to Antioch. And in Antioch, they send out missionaries westward. And so there's 54 different cities that are mentioned in the book of Acts. The gospel makes its way through these cities. And what we're going to do this morning, is we're going to fly over. And so if you have your Bibles, I need you to turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, and we're going to work our way up through chapter 19. All right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to do a flyover of some of these cities, and then we're going to drop and do what, what you might call a touch and go in Philippi, Thessalonica, Athens, and Ephesus. And so I know it's Labor Day weekend and we rest, right? Well, not this morning. We're going, Lance. We're moving. We're going fast. So I need you to, to stay 
with me. We find ourselves here this morning first in a place called Philippi. It's one of the leading cities in Macedonia. It's a Roman colony. And we find the gospel confronting and transforming. And we meet a young lady named Lydia. Paul, on the Sabbath day, with his merry band of missionaries, they're making their way down to the river, and they're practicing what Jesus taught them to practice. They're on their way to pray, all right? It's a novel idea as you're sowing the gospel in these pagan places. So they find their way down the river, and uh, these women had come together. Uh, They begin to engage them. And this is what Luke tells us. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Most likely, he was reasoning with her, helping her see that Jesus is the world's true king. He's who the Old Testament pointed to. Or if she was from a pagan place, she was who the gospel was made for as it rung out into all these nations in the Roman world at the time. After she was baptized, she identified with Jesus in baptism. It says that her household was as well, and then she invited them in in a hospitable moment and said, come, stay at my house. Most likely, Lydia here in this story represents more of the upper strata of society. You see, the gospel does make its way into wealthy places. She was likely a small business owner and had done well for herself. She was also a woman. So we see as Jesus, and you see this in the book of Luke a lot, Jesus restored uh, the image of God and the dignity for women in their culture. And we see Paul doing this here. And so we first meet Lydia in Philippi, and we see the gospel confronting and transforming women, wealth, and family. We move through Acts, and we meet a slave girl, likely someone at the lower strata of society. They continue to practice what Jesus taught. They were going to a place of prayer. This young slave girl had a spirit of divination. And her owners, they gained much in their own personal economy through her fortune-telling. She begins to fall Paul and his laborers around, and Paul begins to be annoyed by her. He cast the spirit out of her. The owners see that because she doesn't have this power anymore, their hope of gain is gone. So they seize Paul and Silas. They drag them into the marketplace before the rulers, and this is uh, what they say. These men are Jews. They're disturbing our city. They advocate for customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. And so the gospel has now made made its way into this lower uh, demographic, the poor demographic, the spirit world, someone's personal economy, and now it's begin to impact the customs of the city. We move through 16 and we meet the Philippian jailer. Uh, most likely the Philippian jailer is, uh, has the rank of what you might call a centurion. Um, it's most likely that he was also a retired army general, in the Roman army, the governor of this, this prison. And he's part of that strong and that, that sturdy middle class, and he's responsible for them as prisoners. An earthquake has happened. Um, The doors have been opened, and Paul and Silas could escape, but they don't. In fear, he goes to them, and he does what we would all love for someone to do. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It's like, Paul, Silas, this is a layup, all right? What are you going to tell them? 
Believe in the Lord Jesus. The simple gospel message, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved in your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And we see the gospel continue to make its way in many ways, not just first through the synagogue where the Jews were, and not just in the marketplace, but now it's making its way through families. Families are being transformed. He was baptized, he and all his family. He brought them into his house, set food before him, and there was rejoicing because he had believed in God. We see a slave girl. We see a Roman jail guard. And we see a wealthy young lady all being confronted with the good news that Jesus is the world's uh, true king. Did you know that in uh, rabbinic tradition has it that rabbis would thank God specifically in their day that they weren't born a woman, a slave, or a Gentile? Feels a little bit offensive, doesn't it? Yeah. Wasn't necessarily, but they were bashing them. But did you know in Jewish uh, in the Jewish experience of worshiping God, only men had access in the temple. Okay, outside the temple, there was a place for women to be and a place for Gentiles to be. But they didn't have access, if you will, to the presence of God the way men had access. It's interesting that Paul, right out of the gate here in Philippi, he gives us a narrative that says, no, the gospel breaks down those barriers, those demographics, and women have access now. The slave girl has access now. Gentiles have access now, and this is good news. We find our way into Thessalonica, Acts 17. Paul's again, he's preaching on three different Sabbath days, bringing the gospel to the Jews. The simple message, Jesus had to suffer and to rise from the dead. Many were persuaded, he says in verse 4, many devout Greeks, leading women, but the Jews again were jealous. The gospel is now confronting religious tradition. And out of jealousy, the Jews stir up a mob, and this is what is said about them. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and this is what they're being accused of. They're they're acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying this, there's another king, and his name is Jesus. The gospel is making its way into their government and into their politics. Did you know the gospel goes there too? It confronts and transforms. The people in the city authorities were disturbed when they saw and heard these things. It's fascinating. The phrase that's used here, there is another King Jesus, that's part of our definition of the gospel, that he is the world's true king. And so the gospel is confronting this. Commentator uh, William Barclay says this, when Christianity really goes into action, this is what happens. It causes a revolution both in the life of the individual and in the life of society. And so we begin to see that happen here in Acts 16, Acts 17. And then we find our, we find our way to Athens and we drop in to Athens. Paul's walking around. He's looking. He's observing what's going on in the city of Athens, a place of great intellectual thought. And his spirit inside of him is disturbed. Why are they worshiping these False gods. The city was full of idols. An idol was just simply a little g god that was fashioned in stone, in precious metal, or a piece of wood. And these idols were representative 
of a God they worshiped, okay? These gods also had temples built all around these cities. They had priests or priestesses that would serve as a representative on behalf of man to the gods. They would sacrifice in many dark ways in terms of how they would practice their worship of God. Um, these idols represented um, such gods. That were, they were god of agriculture. Uh, they were moon gods, sun gods, fertility gods, grain gods, weather gods, gods of vegetation. They, these gods were so wrapped up in their society. It was just part of how they did life. And so it wasn't just about, hey, don't go to church there anymore. Don't go to that, fall, that false pagan temple anymore. But when, you would, when, this, when your life would be disrupted by following the one true king, you pulled yourself out of a lot of what was your holistic life experience, socially, economically, culturally. Paul's disturbed by this. So he finds himself in the synagogue again, the marketplace, and now the gospel, we see it bumping up against not just our idols, but our philosophy, Epicureans and Stoics. They were wondering what he was teaching, and it says specifically here uh, in verse 18, they're interested because he was doing this. He was preaching Jesus and the resurrection, preaching Jesus and the resurrection. They were wanting to know more about these strange things. You see the Epicureans and the Stoics, the Epicureans believed that pleasure was the greatest good, that God, the gods took no interest in human affairs. They were distant. The Stoics placed a lot of importance on independence and self-sufficiency and rationalism. Sound familiar? That was their focus. They had a reputation for being quite arrogant as well. Know-it-alls, if you will. The gospel was making its way into these places in Athens, and then we see the gospel make its way to Ephesus as we drop down, and it says this, about that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. There was a man named Demetrius, and he was a silversmith, and his trade was to craft in the image of Artemis or Diana, the, this fertility goddess, was to craft these images and sell them in, in this city of Ephesus that was built around the worship of Artemis. Uh, they would have much economic gain, not just personally, but in the business community. The men of similar trades and craftsmen, uh, they say this. This is at the end of 25. Men, you know from this business, we have our wealth. And you see, then we hear that not only in Ephesus, but in all of Asia, Paul's persuaded, turned away a great many people saying that gods made with hands are no gods at all. They're actually not even real. But there is one real God. Their concern, our trades being interrupted, and the magnificence of the great goddess Artemis, um, she's going to be shamed. She whom all of Asia and the world worships. And so the, the gospel continues to confront, disrupt, disturb, and transform our view of money, our idols. Uh, maybe this will help you summarize the way the gospel confronts and transforms, confronts our family, our philosophies, our politics, our marketplace, our idols, traditions, demographics, our culture. I know here, we love the Razorbacks, right? We love the Razorbacks, we love the lake, the outdoors, um, we love our trails, we love the arts, and we love our dogs, right? And I know that because there's signs of your dog in my front yard. 
all right? Those are things that are part of our culture. They're gifts by God. It's common grace, things that bring us together, things we get to participate in. And what happens in our culture is when we take the gifts from God and we make them gods, then we have idol things. And they start to captivate our hearts. The gospel confronts our culture, confronts our philosophy. I don't know if you've seen these signs around our town, but yes, I'm going there. I'm not so sure that some of these signs aren't, uh, they're ways that we're trying to capture a value system or a system of beliefs or ideas or ideals that we can hang on to that give us a sense of identity or purpose outside ourselves. Something that gives us a rallying cry. And in Fayetteville, I think words like even, now I know this is going to hurt, all right, so I'm going there. Words like diversity and tolerance and equity and independence and autonomy, personal freedom, safety, privacy, pleasure, space, order, control, comfort. These, these ideas, these words that we're hanging on to, and we've elevated them at the end, at independent of the gospel message. They've become this thing that we're chasing, this idea that we live for, that we wave our flag for. And if the gospel doesn't inform some of these words, they stand alone as an idol to be repented from. They have no power behind them to transform. You see, the gospel... These words must find themselves at the foot of the cross, the foot of the gospel. And when the gospel meets diversity and tolerance and equity and independence and speaks into that freedom, it means you give up your freedom for the benefit of someone else sometimes, right? Not freedom at the expense of others. You see, in Fayetteville, we have this thing. We love community too, right? Hey, let's all come together, but hey, autonomy, don't tell me what to do. What are we doing? There are conflicting messages out there. You know what the gospel says? It says, greater love has no man than this, than he lays down his life for his friends. The gospel says that the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Let that speak into these words. Let that message speak into these words. The gospel confronts, disrupts, disturbs our philosophy, our culture, I want to bring this home even further. I want, to, I want us to own this in our spaces that we live, our parishes that we live in, and we're going to explain what that means, our homes, our families, our neighborhoods, our school, our workplaces, and takes personal responsibility for being gospel people as they began to do in the book of Acts. To see our neighborhoods, the, the, the word we're using right now is the word parish, it's a collection of people that have a common set of values, that, that live in a common area, a collection of neighborhoods, maybe a collection of community groups, and we're living for the glory of God and the greater good of our schools there. Our parishes here on this map are broken down mainly by our elementary school areas, just to give you a visual for how to come together for the good of others and for certain to take responsibility for the gospel in your home and your neighborhood, and as you come and go in your Paris, know that God has chosen you to live in this place at this time for a reason and a purpose to be a gospel light. Ask yourself these questions. In my parish, in my neighborhood, in my home, how am I living for the glory of God? 
how am I proclaiming that Jesus is the world's true king? How am I making disciples of Jesus? What am I asking God to do that only he can do in my parish, in my neighborhood, in my home? How am I participating in taking the gospel to the nations where I live? Let me bring it home a little more. I know uh, I've had some of you come to me with concerns about our school board and our city council. All right, we're, we're, we're rubbing up against this now, all right? Okay, I wanna ask you, I'm asking myself this. If you have concerns, what are you asking God to do that only he can do in those rooms when they meet? Have you considered walking around the building pulling up in your car, in the parking lot, and praying for, by name, those that are on the council and the board, and asking God to do something that only he can do. Because we do believe that prayer changes things. By name, praying that those who don't see Jesus as the world's true king would have an encounter with him and come to know, love, and worship him. For those that do follow Jesus, that serve in those capacities, Would you pray for them and their families? Ask God to give them wisdom, discernment, good judgment, and courage. Pray for them by name. Let's live our mission and vision in our city. Let's pray for them. If we're going to be a a church that sees God's kingdom work happen and see this city turned upside down, you know who else we need to be praying for? Our other churches. And again, I've just put a few up here because I know most of their pastors and I know people that attend these churches. I've sat across the table from many of these pastors and I've seen them struggle and fight for the gospel and fight for things in our city. And I've seen them hold forth the word of God. And we need to, if you know families or pastors that serve in these churches, we need to be praying for their pastoral health, that they would stay true to the gospel message, that they would hold forth the word of God as it's preached, and hold the line to living it out in a relevant way that stays true to the original text. We need to be praying that for other churches. If we're going to be a kingdom-thinking church and see the city turned upside down, we're not alone in this. See, they have spiritual gifts. They've got people spread out all over the marketplace in places that we're not. We need to pray for gospel fruit in those churches. And I want to celebrate the work of many of you um, at the university. And so I know we don't do this a lot, all right? But um, we're going to have fun this morning as we celebrate God's work in our city. If you're part of Fellowship College, if you're part of Crew, Stumo, Athletes in Action, FCA, maybe you're involved in the BCM or RUF, are you partner with us with light bearers? Would you stand in here this morning? Would you, if, you're, if you participate in those organizations, serve on staff, yeah, go ahead and give them a hand. Yeah, stand. So they are a gospel light, and they're taking, y'all can sit down now. I know that's uncomfortable. They're taking the truth that Jesus is the world's true king to the campus. There's, I was just told this morning there's 29,000 of them. They're on campus the biggest freshman class ever. And so I commend you and I thank you for your your partnership in the gospel. You guys are on the cutting edge of taking the gospel, this good news to the next generation. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention some of our partner organizations and celebrate um, how you're part of the transformation 
of our city. So many of you, and, and there, I'm certain there are other organizations, these are some that we have partnered with in the past. And I know many of you were part of this new beginnings, a transitional housing opportunity, where you're helping the homeless find hope in a very tangible way. And many of you have served on the front lines of that. Many of you serve as Potter's House mentors. Uh, many of you serve on the front lines of loving choices. We're actually gonna celebrate our partnership with them in October with our baby bottle campaign. Uh, some of you have taken meals uh, to the ISCA experience. Kevin and Cynthia Smith, celebrate them. Um, there's probably no one else in Fayetteville that has sat across the table from somebody from uh, so many different nationalities than Kevin and Cynthia Smith, been faithful to hold forth the good news of the gospel and hospitality to our international community. Every Christmas time, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, there's a group of men in this church, and they band together uh, to pull together money and resources to take care of the homeless through tents and sleeping bags. It is a privilege to be in this with you, to, to own this mission and vision, this mission statement that we have. My concern, I'm gonna leave us with this, and I felt this in my own heart. I've wondered if in the last 18 months, some of us have been captivated by our own idols. Maybe we're not kneeling at a statue that's a graven image, but maybe we've slipped into apathy. We just don't care anymore. It's just easier not. You just, you've said to yourself, people are crazy. <laughs> and you've even found yourself responding, reacting, and going to places maybe you never thought you would. As you even cope with the own brokenness in your own heart. I'm not so sure we haven't turned inward, become self-serving, and in the spirit of survival, even. Just said, it's, I've gotta take care of me. In my little family, in my little tribe, the world can do what it does. I'm out. I'm isolating. I think our mission and vision is calling us out of that. It's so much bigger than our opinion editorials on certain issues in the world. You see, what Paul stayed focused on as he's bringing this mission home, at every turn, it was Jesus crucified and resurrected was the theme, it was the pivot message that things leaned away from or leaned into. This was the message. Fellowship Fayetteville, have we been distracted with things that are not the good news? If you're gonna be a part of this church, our focus is on the good news of Jesus, crucified and resurrected. The implications of that message they get into the grid of our community. I need you in those places. We need you in those places. Let's do this together in the name of Jesus and for the glory of God. Would you pray with me? Father, wow, I love my church and it's good to be part of this family of faith. God, would you give us the courage to practice 
your words to be a light that you are. Your son is the world's true king. And so we come to you in his name and we ask that you would help us to be creative. Give us good judgment. Give us grace and truth in moments when we should speak and when we should be quiet. Help us to know the difference. God, I pray that you would sow gospel fruit through every person in here all over this city and that this city would be ascending base to the unreached around the world. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 and 15. It says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So we're gonna sing this, this last song, just a simple chorus as our benediction this morning, and it's simply a prayer. It's asking, Lord, would your love cause us to open up our hearts? And would your light cause us to shine so bright that we bring hope into the dark? And that's, that's simply our prayer as a church um, that we would be involved in that. So it goes like this. May your love cause us to open up, cause us to open up our hearts. And may your light cause us to shine so bright that we bring hope into the dark. Y'all stand with us. Let's sing that as a prayer. May your love cause us to open up, cause us to open up our hearts. May your light cause us to shine so bright that we bring hope time. Let's make it a prayer. May your love cause us to open up, cause us to open up our hearts. May your light cause us to shine so bright that we bring hope Second Corinthians goes on to say this. It says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. And so this week, Fellowship Fayetteville, we go as representation of Christ, as his, as his ambassadors to our neighbors, to our city, to our school, to our classrooms, to our apartments, our home, to our family, and all the above. If you need prayer to my left, to your right, we'd love to pray with you this morning in our prayer room. Go in peace. God bless you. See you next week.